Boom, we're back with episode 113 of the Quarantine Cast. This one's a special one. Um, not a fighter. Uh, he's not a fighter, but uh, I have BJ Johnson, who is actually the owner of No Filter MMA, and he's also a report writer, report writer with me over at Bloody Canvas. Um, so really excited for this one. We're just going to talk about our passion for MMA, what got him into it, why do you start No Filter MMA, and then wherever the conversation ends up going. Uh, we had a good conversation yesterday on his on his page, so hopefully we can kind of carry that over to uh, to this one. Boom. How's it going? What's up, man? What's going on? And how's your uh, how's your day going? It's good, man. You know how you know how it goes, man. Wearing a mask everywhere. <laughs> man, I hate it. What's it? What's it like down there? I mean, I've been can't. We're in technically the safest place in all of North America, but everything's shut down here. Like you know, we have to wear masks everywhere. Uh, groups no bigger than ten people. It's ridiculous. Well, I'm in North Carolina and. Um, you know, I live in the mountains of North Carolina, so it's not a whole lot going on there. So um, everybody's been we've been able to stay relatively safe. Um, the, mo the most precautions, like the most exposure I'm around is mostly at work because I deal with the public. But, um, yeah, man, we've just it, it, everything's not shut down, but everybody's like mask and hand sanitizer before you go in and everything like that. So it's been it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah, the paranoia is crazy. Like it's, it's unreal. Um, funny thing is about the whole thing is I didn't realize how serious it was until MMA got shut down. And I was like, yep. oh, geez, it's serious. Sports period. Just. Yeah. Well, so uh, that, that brings me on to this question. Like I, I fell in love with the sport by, by one fighter. One fighter did it for me. It was Rampage Jackson. That, that anger. Uh, I had a lot of built up aggression when I was a kid. <laughs> I was always angry. Always mad, still now. But uh, when he took when he took out that door, I was like, "Oh my god, I like that guy." What What was the moment for you that really drew you to the sport? Um, I can't really say that there was like a moment. Like there never really was a moment. It was just like, you know, I would see it. You know what I'm saying? I would see it on TV when I was like 12, 13. You know, I was like, "Wow, what?" You know, because you know back then when it came to fighting, at least in my world the first thing people thought about was boxing, you know, cage fighting was the wild west, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just, you know, one of the, one of those late night things, you know what I'm saying? And you just be flicking through my TV and it's on and I'm watching. I'm like, man, I really like this. I really like this. I really like this. And it just kind of snowballed into, you know, and it was, that was a couple of years before that season, that first season of the ultimate fighter. Um, and by the time that came around, bro, you know, I was all in, you know what I'm saying? By the time that came around, I was all in, man. And just, you know, just the excitement, man. It's it's the excitement, you know, and having your favorite fighters and watching your favorite fighters evolve and go through the process and just fights and just chaos and, you know, watch it. For me, another big thing for me is the different styles. Like, this is mixed martial arts. You have certain people who specialize in wrestling. You have people who specialize in jiu-jitsu, people who specialize in striking, Muay Thai, karate, and all these styles get bought in and you see it all just, you know, you see two fighters with two different backgrounds or the same background and you see it just happen. And I think it's amazing, man. I think it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about, about your, your channel is – like it says, no filter MMA. You really just kind of off the cuff, whatever you're thinking of, it's just out there. Um, 
how did you how did you start that page? You know, I, I felt like uh, the you know, okay, I started No Filter MMA late to, late 2017, late 2018, and it actually wasn't called No Filter MMA. It was called Sports Scrutiny. That was the actual original name of the podcast. Um, and I felt like I wanted, I wanted to talk MMA so much, but I had nobody to talk to it with. Like nobody at work, nobody, no friends, nobody watched it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Well, why are you guys not watching this? You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you guys not talking about the same thing that I'm talking about? And um, so I, has, I started, you know, a buddy of mine reached out and was like, hey, man, you know, I've been thinking about doing like a sports pod. And I, it, this literally happened like within a week's time. The thoughts of, man, I would really like to start a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Just get on here and talk MMA. And then he reached out and said, I'm thinking about starting a sports podcast. So the origins of it were we were supposed to be you can go back and watch like the, the original episodes are the first episodes on No Filter MMA's YouTube page. And this guy that I was doing, he was a friend of mine, you know, he he would talk sports, but it didn't like I was I felt like I was the only person that was putting forth the effort in it. Like I was landing interviews with fighters and I was doing, you know, pretty much everything. Like and then it was when he got to talking about like football and stuff, it just it just didn't fit, you know what I'm saying? And I was doing all the promoting and I was pushing it. And then, you know, I just told him one day, I was like, man, you know, like I said, I feel like you're not in it. You know, I'm like, you're not, you, I don't feel like you're putting the effort toward it. You know, like I want to take this and go with it. And, you know, after some pretty heated text messages and whatnot, he was like, fine, dude, you know, go ahead. So then I was like, I got to come up with a name. I got to, you know, rebrand this channel because I had plateaued with subscribers. I had plateaued with views. You know, I was like, I got to rebrand this channel. You know what I'm saying? So I started, that's when I started um, brainstorming for a name and um, a friend of mine who made a lot of appearances on the show. I'm on, on, on what's now no filter MMA. He, he pitched the idea of, you know, no filter. And then I added the MMA to it and just a new logo new thing, you know, just new vibe on the, on the podcast. And it, 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 it was, it, it was the best thing I could have done. You know what I'm saying? Because now, you know, um, the, the, when you say no filter MMA, people kind of, you know, in this world, people know who it is. They know it's me, but what I enjoy the most about doing this is just being able to interact with fighters and build that base online and, and build that community online. And, you know, that's how I ended up with you guys and just the whole network of underground, you know, journalism, MMA journalism on YouTube. It's just, I didn't realize that this whole world of this was here until I decided to do this. It's, it's funny because, I kind of went through the same thing. I have a friend of mine who watches watches MMA. He'll watch UFC fights with me. But I'll name a fighter and he's like, Yeah, I don't know who that is. It's like yeah. I know everybody. Like I know who they've I know their records. I know who they fought last. I know what organizations they competed in. It's it's ridiculous. And there are diehards, but they're scattered. Uh, so I mean I'm glad I found uh, Bloody Canvas MMA because all of us all day, that's all we talk Every about. Every last one of us. Every last one of us. Like all we do, we talk about MMA, talk about 
you know, who's fighting or, or what fights we would make just nonstop. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool to see that community that, I mean, it's funny that I have friends who I won't go out with because I'd much rather stay home and talk to people I've never met. That's it's, it's, absolutely correct. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. It's so weird. Um, it's so weird that I've never met any of you guys, but for some reason, we all bonded through 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 the sport of MMA. Um, and as for the the interviews, I thought when I started it, the most baffling thing for me—I don't know if you can relate to this—was how easy it was to pick up these interviews. Like I was like, "There's no way I'm going to speak to a UFC fighter." Two days in, I was speaking to Mike Rodriguez. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's it's. And it is so satisfying. Like, it's so satisfying when, you know, um, that feeling when somebody hits you back and says, yeah, man, I'm down. Like, there's nothing like that. Like, there's just it's just it's just a feeling that if you don't do this, you don't know how it is. You know what I'm saying? Then when you you get that interaction with that fighter and you you do these interviews, th these video chat interviews with these fighters and, and whatnot, and they, they're normal people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like they're normal people. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it, the first time, the first person I ever interviewed was 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 I think it was golly, um, I think Tanya Evanger was the first person that I ever oh, interviewed. Yeah, that's a big one too. That's a good first interview. Yeah. It was Tanya Evanger, and Ta uh, Tanya Evanger has no fucking filter. And it was I was like, this is the best thing in the world. Like it's like a high that you chase. You chase it. You know what I'm saying? And for me, like getting those interviews, man, especially with someone I don't know, it's one of the best feelings in the world, man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and, and for me, the most satisfying ones are are the ones where you kind of build a relationship with them. Um, I know with you, uh, obviously, Jillian Robertson, uh, you've, you've had her on a few times and, and we've talked about that. For me, it was Justin James. Like when, when you when you have a guy who wasn't in the UFC, now all of a sudden he's in the UFC and you kind of see him grow. There's nothing more rewarding than that. And uh, that's the big thing for me. I'm so glad I got into it. Uh, and for people like a few months ago, I wasn't even able to talk to people I didn't know. I was nervous. I was shy. Uh, just go for it. And, and I think both of us are really like a proof that it, it does work out because man, work, you're yeah. talking to talking to people that we've never met, may never, ever meet, but building relationships and, and being able to text them is, is really, really kind of cool, especially when you see them win on TV. Yeah, man. You know, and see the, the thing with me though, is, you know, the thing about no filter MMA, and this is the biggest thing about it that I really wanted to, to I want this, I wanted my channel to be this. And what I wanted my channel to be was like, I, I didn't want to lose the fact that I'm a fan because the earlier stages of my channel, I was trying, I, in some ways, I was trying to be something I wasn't. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm a fan. I watch this like everyone else does. Just take what's in here and put it there. You know what I'm saying? I want it to be, like, I want it to be super relatable. You know what I'm saying? When I get on my channel, you know what I'm saying? I'm ranting and raving like, I'm a fan. And I don't let that cloud what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't try to say the right things. You know what I'm saying? Because big name people, you know, they don't, they're, it's like they're not fans of people. You know, they try to talk about the sport in such a broad way that you don't know, like, you don't know who Ariel Hawani's favorite fighter is. You don't know who Luke Thomas's favorite fighter is because they don't talk about them. 
everyone who subscribed to my channel knows that I am a Jillian Robertson fan. Everyone knows that. Like, everyone knows that I'm a Jillian Robertson fan. Everyone knows I was a huge Misha Tate fan. Everyone knows who my picks are. And I think that, you know, I think that's important, man, because you have people who disagree with you. You have people who agree with you. And I think it's just, you know, I think just the re being relatable on screen, especially when you're not physically in front of someone, I think that is just huge, man. And I, I, I just love doing that. Yeah, you really need to kind of find what works for you. I mean, what works for you would never work for me. I don't have that passion. Right. Like, like you start and you're like off. You're like you're at a whole nother level, a level I'll never reach. And uh, <laughs> works for you that passion, the love you have for the game. Um, I love it too. I just don't share it the same way you do. And it, it's really, if you haven't watched No Filter MMA, I highly recommend it. He's 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 funny. He uh, he keeps things exciting. And and like he said, he shares what he feels without a filter. Um, and you, you need that. You, you need people like that. And it's good that we have people that are different than the, like you said, uh, the Luke Thomases, the Ariel Hawanis, the and no, no disrespect to them. They're doing what they have to do, but it right. is nice to have a, a, a different, like a guy like the Schmo too. A lot of people give him stick. He's doing his thing and it works. Um, and I've followed a very similar path. I didn't want to be clickbait. I never did this for likes, subscriptions, any of that. I wanted talk to so-and-so. I'm going to write their name down. If you want to watch it, fine. But I'm not here trying to get people to click my video. Yeah. Uh, like I've had people call out guys on my, on my, like while I'm interviewing them. And I don't, I'm not trying to, not trying to make it, make it big. I know if I did, it would blow up, but uh, that's not what I'm here to do. Uh, and what, it, it is, what a feeling, it, what, what a feeling, dude, when a fighter drops a bomb like that on yeah. your channel. It, it, and it comes out of left, left field. And I'm just like, I mean, it's ha it happened recently with Jillian Robinson. I was, she just boom, and I was like, like she was like, Antonina Shevchenko ducked me in August. I was like, whoa, 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 like wait, like wait a second, you know what I'm saying? But yes, dude, those bombs are fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, when when they come in, man, and like I had one, um, Justin James told me of his, no, not Justin James, um, I don't know who it was. Oh, TJ, TJ Brown told me he was fight who he was fighting while I was talking to him. And I was like, is that out yet? And he goes, no. And I'm like, should I tweet it right now? Like, can I tweet it while, while I'm talking to you before someone else picks this up? Um, yeah, it is nice when those come in. It's, it's, it's super rewarding. It, it definitely feels nice when they feel comfortable enough to share it with us for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. So now what I admire, like I told you, you know, what I admire the most about you guys, man, is the, the knowledge like you guys remember shit so well like you guys know you guys can can talk about a fighter that's on the fucking undercard and literally remember the storyline surrounding his last fight and i'm just like how the fuck do they remember that shit like how the fuck do y'all remember situations that happened in someone who's even not that well known in their last fight that happened months ago yeah, like Joe, Joe is probably the best at that. He'll, Joe, he'll break something man. out that makes no sense. He'll be like, yeah, well, last fight he landed 28% of the strikes. I'm like, what? Like, like, what? Is that even available online? Like, how, like, like, how did you find that? Where did you find that information? <laughs> I, have yeah. a, uh, I have a spreadsheet that has every fight in UFC history, and I scroll through that usually to kind of get information. But 
when it comes to like those little stats, I don't know where those come from, but uh, we definitely do have people like bloody canvas is very, we are very, very passionate and uh, it's, it's crazy to, I thought I was like, we're very diverse too, man. Like, you know, like you and um, you and John are kind of like the, you guys are very like, what's the term I want to use? Um, I'd say we're like more reserved. Like we don't we don't share as much. We don't express like as much. You guys are very like um, calculated. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use calculated. Like you guys are very calculated. You know what I'm saying? Versus you know what I'm saying like me. Who knows where the fuck I'm at? You know what I'm saying? Anthony's like Anthony. Kind of brings you back to to reality. You know what I'm saying? When you get too far off left field, Anthony kind of brings you back. So many different personalities, what we bring, man, you know, and I think that that's just, that's fucking awesome, man, because big media, like the big guys that do MMA media, it's like you couldn't name five people that work for each of these outlets. You wouldn't be able to name them because they're just, they're, they're, they're not bringing anything they're not bringing anything to the table. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if people were to follow us and watch our podcast and, and listen to us talk, man, like it's so many different personalities. You would know exactly. We're memorable. We're memorable people. You can, we will remember us for sure. Yeah. We like to, we're, we like to keep things entertaining. Like we don't, we don't really, uh, that's one of the things I like about us all too, is we all, we all mesh well. Like, uh, you know, we all have different personalities, but none of us butt heads. Like, there, there's never an issue. Uh, whether it doesn't matter if we're debating, if we're arguing about something. It's always friendly, and it's like you said too. Diversity. I mean, I'm from Spanish and Canadian background. Stanley's in the UK. Uh, Jose's Puerto Rican. Like, so many different points of view. We're all over the map. I don't think anyone's in the same state. Like it's, uh, it's definitely nice to kind of have all those different perspectives too. Yeah, man, and and and, and it makes it great. It makes it great, man. So, you tell me, what when you when you started, you know what I'm saying? Like, because if it, it it's hard to get past that first, it's hard to get past that first hump when you're doing this. Like that first hump. Because you're excited, you're excited, you're excited, you're excited. Then when you start it, it's like, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? Like, am I going to, then you get to that point where, like, am I going to do this or am I going to fuck around with it? You know what I'm saying? How did you get past that first hump, bro? Yeah, it's it's hard because, I mean, I, I, I mean, I work full time. Uh, this is something I do on the side. I mean, I go, I have, work nine to five, I, uh, you know, same thing as everybody else. I have to train. I have to do all this stuff. So for me, it was, I don't play video games. I don't, I don't drink alcohol much. I don't, I don't, you know, so for me, this was like, you know what, if this doesn't work out, I have an amazing story to tell. You know what I mean? And I enjoy every interview I do. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people need to realize. Like, absolutely, if, man. If you, can't, if you can't do one every day because you don't enjoy it, but you can do one on Sundays, do it, do that. It's not about time. If you enjoy it enough, you'll do it. Um, I'm not trying to make millions. I'm not trying to make anything. In fact, right now I'm negative. I spent more money on this than I've, <laughs> than I've earned. Um, you know, I have some, some cool sponsors that send me stuff, but outside of that, I mean, I'm not making money off. This. 
but I enjoy mm -hmm. it. And I think a lot of people, when they decide to do something like this, they, they do it for the reason. Uh, like, you know, I want to be a James Lynch or I want to be a whoever. Right. right. Uh, you can't go in with that mentality because you'll never get there. Um, but there are days, man. Like there, I remember one week I was going through a lot of stuff outside of work and outside of this. And I was like, I can't do this, man. I can't do it this week. And uh, the important thing I found was don't force it. You know, that, that, that passion and the interest in doing more interviews will come back. And three days later, I was like, okay, I need someone else. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, did you ever experience that as well? Like at, at times you're like, I can't do this. And then that passion jumps back at you or were you always. Oh, oh man, I'll go. If I mean, you know, I'll go, you know, sometimes you get burned out. Like when you do see me, I do, I do mostly videos and you video, 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 video. You know what I'm saying? I do them and I get burned out. I'm like, you know, I just don't want to do a video for a week. You know what I'm saying? And I will take a listen, I will take a full break from any sort of journalism for like a week. And then I'll just be watching fights. I'll watch a card. I won't make one video about the card. But then as that after the card, after I went back and watched all the fights again, I'm like, I need to talk about this. I need to say something about this. I need to say something about this. And then I'll be like, the day after that, I'd be like, get your lazy ass in gear. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Then I'll just get on it, and then I'm right back in, dude. It, it just, like, it, it, it go. My mind will take a rest, and then, boom, I'm right back at it, bro. It, it, it's natural. It's like, and, and now I'm asking myself, how will I ever stop doing this? Like, how will I ever stop doing this? I, I don't think we can, man. And I think that's, that's <laughs> we're going to be sitting here for a while doing these. And even if we get no followers, man, the – I enjoy every second of it. Um, like you said, there's days where you're like, man, I'm, I, I can't right now. And I don't understand how you do what you do because I talk to some fighters. I talk to someone and I can like, there are days where I don't really feel like talking and I'll do more listening. But when you're the only one there doing it yourself, you have to be into it. You have to be passionate. Uh, I watched some of your videos and I'm like, I don't know how you can do that, man. It's, it's hard and it's very difficult. I don't think a lot of people realize how hard it is to talk when no one's physically listening, you know? Um, so, man, I commend you like tremendously for that. It's, it's, it's a whole nother level to this. Being able to talk by yourself to a camera is different than being able to have a conversation like we are now. Right. Yeah, man. It's just, you know, it's, it's practice, bro. You know, for me, it took practice because I would, before I was like, God, I don't, I'm running out of stuff to say, but you know, you, when you when you when you're in it, you know what I'm saying. When you when you're just you know when you're talking about a fighter, this I don't even. It's hard to put it in words, Sergio. It is, man. It's like for Yair Rodriguez, for instance. If you're talking, if the the topic of conversation is Yair Rodriguez, you could say you can talk 20 minutes on Yair. You could talk about how he lost to Frankie Edgar, how he got that last minute KO over Zombie. You could talk about. You know, those wins over Jeremy Stevens, what that meant for Yair. You know what I'm saying? You could just go, dude. And you just go, 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 go. You just go, 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 dude. And I, just, I don't know, dude. I guess it's, I smoke pot and I fucking turn the camera on. So it just comes out, bro. <laughs> it's a, uh, I mean, I, there, there are guys that you can really, this, like, all, there are times where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to like ask or whatever. And the second the conversation starts, 
shit will come to you. And like, yeah. um, and like you said, man, like you, you'll, you can ramble on. I mean, even guys that you may not, may not be a Yair, just like someone like Julian Robertson, who maybe doesn't have the background of, of Yair, but you start talking about her. I mean, you can, there's so much content. I mean, what, what is she doing for Canadian MMA? I mean, really like she's carrying Canadian MMA, uh, women's MMA right now. Uh, unbelievable. Right. Uh, you know, how is she going to recover from the Macy Barber loss? And, and, you know, there's so much content there, even for people who aren't necessarily familiar. You do five minute of research and you can ramble on about, about these people. And especially if you have the, the, the passion for it that we do, I can sit down and read about these guys for forever. Writing about them is a whole other story. I can't stand it, but, uh, <laughs> but reading and talking about them, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. Um, that being said, man, I, I want to talk. I uh, can't go without talking about this uh, this weekend's main event. Um, well, I, we'll kind of end on that note. I mean, unbelievable for Paul Felder to step up on short notice. And, uh, man, he's he's getting a crazy, crazy fighter in Rafael Dos Anjos, who I'm surprised he's taken this. I mean, he's lost about four of his last five. He's on two-fight losing streak. Just shows you what kind of a stud that guy is. Come on, Paul Felder? Uh, well, both, <laughs> both Ruff, yeah. Rafael Dos Anjos too. I mean, you're taking a huge fight. Um, I mean, you're on, you're struggling. Uh, Paul Felder obviously had the controversial loss, but I think Paul Felder has more to lose in this than Rafael Dos Anjos. Absolutely. And I was kind of surprised that Paul Felder stepped in like that. Because um, he's been floating that retirement, you know, word around. Um, I was kind of surprised that he stepped in and take such a fight like Dos Anjos. Cause if, if Paul Felder's trying to make that run, you know what I'm saying? A, a fight with somebody that's not even ranked, that's a that's a dangerous fight. Like, I mean, that's a that's a pretty gnarly, dangerous fight. And it's Rafael Dos Anjos. You know what I'm saying? So, and it's Paul Felder having to get to 155 in five days. And Paul Felder has rough, brutal weight cuts. You know what I'm saying? And and I understand he was training for this triathlon. I get it. Everybody's like, well, he's in shape. I get it. But it can either go one or two ways. This is It's one of two things. Hafio, I mean, um, Paul Felder can go into here coming off of that training for that triathlon, strong, healthy. You know what I'm saying? He could come in like that, you know, not overtraining his body, um, you know, not taking any lumps and bruises in, tra- in, a, in a full training camp. He could come in fresh uninjured, you know what I'm saying? It could be a great-looking Paul Felder, or Paul Felder can come into this fight drained from that weight cut, you know what I'm saying, and and not looking very good at all because he hadn't had a training camp. I don't know which way to go when it comes to that. I don't know which way to go. Um, I'm hoping that we see a really good Paul Felder because a hungry Rafael Dos Anjos is very dangerous, very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, very- I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, you saw what he did to Robbie Lawler. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos, when he, come, when he shows up, uh, he's legit. Very, right. very legit. And coming back down to 155, which is a place where he held a belt, he knocked out Anthony Pettis. I mean, he was at one point considered one of the greatest lightweight champion holders of all time. People were like, oh, my God, this guy's legit. He rejuvenated his career. Early on in his UFC career, he was getting knocked out by guys like Jeremy Stevens and – now he's a champion, and so he's back down to that weight weight class. And uh, I'm really hoping it doesn't deplete him either. 
and I hope we see a good fight. But Paul Felder, uh, man, props to him, man. The guy is a the guy is a freak. He's a beast. Yeah, um, he is. So, uh, man, wh- whoever wins, I don't even care. I just want to see a good fight, and I like this fight more than the Makachev fight. I actually do too, man, because um, I feel like I feel like RDA would have beat Makachev. I really do. I think that was a big step up for Makachev, but. Um, Paul Felder, man, gritty, 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 gritty dude, and he he's tough as fucking nails. Um, I feel like if he loses this fight, this is the last Paul Felder we'll see. Um, but if Paul can win this fight and turn back Rafael dos Santos, man, um, I think that speaks a lot for Paul. I don't think it really does much for him in the division. I think it it does much. I, th- I think it does more for Paul as a fighter than it does for his rank. Then his you know his spot in the division or whatever. Um, but we'll see, man. I mean, who do you got winning the fight? If you had a gun to my head right now, I'd say RDA. Um, I, as much as I think Paul, I think on a, you know, if, if both had a good training camp, both were prepping, I think it'd be very different. I think Paul Felder is very, very good. He's shown it. He, he almost beat Dan Hooker. I thought he won, but the last time he took a short notice fight was against Mike Perry, uh, who I think nine times out of 10, he beats, um, so I think the short notice fight may may affect him. Um, so I I'd have to go RDA right now, but come fight night, who knows who I'm gonna put down? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I'm not good at picks, uh, so I think I'm ranked fourth right now in the group in picks. So I we'll know see. I'm, I know I'm dead last. <laughs> I mean, my picks are horrible. I'm the worst at picks, dude. I'm the worst at picks for sure. I always feel bad picking because it's like if I interview someone, I don't want to pick against them. Like even if I know they're going to lose. Yeah, like, like, like what if they like, see it? Like going into that Jillian Robertson fight with Macy Barber, man, I was like, God, like this is the worst matchup for Jillian Robertson. Like this is a bad matchup for Jillian. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, man, because I've, I've always said Macy Barber can put any girl out. Any any fly, any flower. If you fighting at one twenty five and you step in there with Macy Barber, Macy Barber can put you the fuck out. Period. Male and or female. I think if she connects with some of those guys at flyweight too, yeah, absolutely, she's got a lot of power. Absolutely. And when I when I was like, man, and then to see Jillian lose like that was heartbreaking, man. But I was not gonna pick against her, bro. <laughs> I was not picking against her. No. It's- yeah, it, it's funny, like, when I feel it more than any other sport. Like, in, I'm a diehard, diehard soccer fan, too, but I don't shake. Like, when my like when my team's playing, I'm not shaking. When my fighter's fighting, I'm there like this, like, on the edge of my seat. I won't sleep that if my guy loses. That feeling in your chest. Oh, that's yeah. the worst one, man. That's the worst one. When that fi- like I had that feeling for five rounds when Tate fought home for the belt. That was what was going through my chest. That I, I was feeling that for five rounds. I was like, man, oof. And she got it done. She got it done, dude. Oof, that was the best feeling in the world, bro. <laughs> that was the best feeling in the world. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this, Sergio, before we get off here, man. You tell us, dog. You tell us. I want to hear from you. I know I've asked you this before, but I want to ask you one more time. Does Michael Chandler become champion in the UFC? No. 
No. <laughs> I think the only way he becomes champion is if Khabib retires, Connor retires, Dustin retires, and Tony retires. That's a long shot, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I think all those guys beat Michael Chandler. I really like Michael Chandler. I thought he he looked great. He's done some great things over at Bellator, but he has some losses on his record that I think are quite questionable. Uh, Connor doesn't lose to Will Brooks. Connor doesn't lose to Eddie Alvarez. Um, so your biggest win, in my opinion, to date is Ben Henderson, and Ben Henderson hasn't been a UFC fighter for a long time. Uh, that being said, I like Michael Chandler. I, I hope he can go out there and, and shut me up, but uh, I don't see him being a champion. Um, I do think he's a top top 10 lightweight, but Ooh. I don't think – yeah. What about you? How do you how do you see, where do you see Michael Chandler in that lightweight division? Um, I see Michael Chandler as top five. Top five. I think he can compete. I think he can compete because he's got that Bellator. He's got that Bellator on chip on his shoulder. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be there. He's got something to prove. Michael Chandler has something to prove. That's the thing, man. That's my theory about fight. When fighters have something really to prove and you have a solid skill set, that's a dangerous fighter. That's a dangerous fighter. And, you know, which is why I fucks with Jillian Robertson so much. Jillian Robertson lost on the first round of tough to Barb Honchad. The first episode, right out the gate, boom, Jillian Robertson is eliminated by Barb Honchad. By Barb Honchad. Jillian Robertson has had something to prove in the UFC, which is why I fucks with Jillian Robertson like I fucks with Jillian Robertson. I might end up fucking with Michael Chandler like that. You never know. You never know, bro. I might end up fucking with Michael Chandler. But um, I feel like he's got something to prove, man. Um, just like Justin Gaethje. Look where it got Justin Gaethje. He yeah. came in. What was, what was, he was the uh, the LFA champ, uh, WS, yeah, uh, WSO, World Series yeah. of Fighting. Yeah. World Series of Fighting Champion. He has something to prove. You know what I'm saying? And it got him all the way to an interim belt and a shot at the un at the undisputed belt. I mean, you gotta give him that, man. Yeah, it's it's hard because look at, I, look, at Eddie, look at Eddie Alvarez. Yep, Eddie but, Alvarez made it to the belt. You have other champions from other organizations that are super close. Alexander Volk uh, Alexander Volkov at heavyweight. Was was he not the? I thought he was. Was he not the former Bellator heavyweight champion? I don't know about Alexander Volkov. Actually, I don't know if he was. Could have been. I'll look him up right quick. Yeah, um, look, I think he was the former Bellator heavyweight champion. M one Global Bellator. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Bellator heavyweight world champion. Yeah, he beat Richard Hale. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I mean, these champions from these other organizations, man. You, you you can't write them off. You can't write them off. You can't write them off. Not all of them, you know. Yeah, so it's it's hard because um, we don't know until he goes out there, right? Like um, I, I he beats ninety five percent of that lightweight division. Like you know, he's he's yeah, he's UFC level, like easily. But my only fear um, is that will he be a bad Askren or will he be an Eddie Alvarez? You know, there's so two two extremes here. You could go in and get starched the second someone they give you a Masvidal, or or you can go out there and become world champion like Eddie Alvarez did, or Justin Gaethje almost did. Um, so there's two extremes here, and who knows, man? We who knows? And the only way to know is give him a give him a fight. 
Um, and with that being said, is there, if you could give him one fight, as it like, if he's got one fight in the UFC before the belt, who would you give him? Well, I, uh, if, if it was only one fight, if it was only one fight, I, I see it in my mind. I'm seeing like a two fight run for him. Yeah. But if it was only one fight, I would give it Justin Gaethje, man. You know, former other organization champion versus other organization champion. You know, these guys are in the UFC now. Who's the better of the two? I think and that's stylistically a, that 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 match is amazing too. Right. I would give him, if it was a two fight, if I had to do a two fight prediction, I would give him, I would, I would give him Dan Hooker first. Dan Hooker is a nice testing. Dan Hooker's a tough motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would give him Dan Hooker and then Justin Gaethje. And if he can beat Dan Hooker and Justin Gaethje, he deserves a title shot. Yeah, for sure. Give the man a title shot. Yeah, I you know? I love that. I love that fight, and I think both of them match his style as well, too. Right? Like, I think you go in there and you feed him a guy like Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, I keep forgetting He's about a threat. Charles. Yeah, Charles Oliveira could could, de could derail that train. You know what I mean? It's there's guys that I just think are bad matchups for him. I think Tony Ferguson could be a bad matchup as well. But I think that, like you said, those two. Fights. If I was him, I'd be looking at a guy like that who would match him stylistically. A guy like Dan Hooker, a guy like Paul Felder, a guy like Justin Gaethje. Those are good matchups. I like it. Yeah. Somebody like Charles. I don't think they'll give him somebody like Charles because Charles Oliveira will end that ass. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like, Charles Oliveira would end that ass. Like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good at all. Or yeah. even Connor. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Connor could could I feel like Connor would finish him. You know what I'm saying? Like Connor catch him with that left man. Like Connor got that equalizer with that left, bro. I gotta give him that. Connor's a lot better than people give him credit for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people wrote him off from the Khabib fight, but you're seeing what Khabib's doing to everybody else, man. I mean right. Right. I think I think Connor gets a lot of he it talks a lot, but man, what he did to Donald Cerrone. Like, yeah, geez, like who does that, right? What he's right. done to Eddie Alvarez, the list goes on and on. I think, but I do think Conor McGregor, if if Khabib retires, I think Conor McGregor could be the guy to, to win that belt next. I really, I really do. Yeah, he could, he could, but Khabib has to be gone for Conor to have that belt. Like, Khabib has to be gone. Um, but yeah, man, that's all I got, bro. Yeah, me too. I uh, I appreciate you taking the time. If you if you haven't yet and you don't follow follow No Filter MMA, I highly recommend it. Uh, he's a lot of fun. He's passionate and uh, re really good content. There are a lot of great interviews. Uh, a lot he he does a great job breaking down fights. Um, so be sure to uh, like, comment, and subscribe on both of our uh, both of our channels, and make sure you follow Bloody Canvas MMA. And we'll see you guys next time.